Back with Peter Mullen and Health and Wellbeing, talking uh, about probiotics today and why we need them. And Peter, I guess you want to take it all the way back to the, the very the, the smallest part of our uh, our bodies, the microorganisms first. Yeah, well, look, it's one of those things. I think it, what's good this day and age is everybody knows about what probiotics are. I'm sure. So probiotics are bacteria, good bacteria, ideally that live in our gut. Most of our good bacteria actually live in our large bowel. We do have some in our small bowel, even some in our stomach, but most of the bacteria we're talking about are the ones in the large bowel. So that's the the final segment. Now there's more bacteria in our gut, 10 times as many bacteria in our gut, ideally as what there are cells in our body. So there's actually more genetic material in our gut than there is in our own body. For the rest of us. That, that's kind of mind-blowing, isn't it? That in terms of us as a, a being, as an entity, we're more foreign bodies than we are us. Yeah, we are actually more foreign body than we oh. are, are ourselves. How does that make you feel, uh, germ-free? <laughs> <laughs> well, and then, you know, and then and we also have what, what we don't always stop and think is we have these, um, so we call the gut, gut microbiome, but you also have a microbiome on our skin, different areas of our oh, don't body. Don't go there. Have, I knew he was going there. Yeah, well, just for, I know you're a little bit antsy mm. about <clears throat> germs. Yeah. So we have different bacteria live under our arms, as mm. live on our back of our hand. So we have bacteria all, our, all over our body. Um, women have bacteria in their breast milk ducts, which is one of the reasons why breastfeeding is so important and having a good bacterial balance there because that's one way of good bacteria getting into the babies when they're first born. Um, obviously, um, you know, the vaginal area, like so every area in our body, every, mm. every, every surface has bacteria. So, and I guess this is where the idea is that we need the right uh, food, the, the right the right nutrients to get to the area to, uh, pre- to populate the, more of the good bacteria than the bad. Yeah, and they've done some really neat studies about the bacteria that where the babies are born with. So they've done maps up to show the different types and the bacteria that babies are born with are different to what eventually evolves in our gut. So our gut flora evolves as as we age and as our diet changes and, you know, new foods come in, etc. So it's kind of interesting that um, the gut flora we're born with, remnants stay, but their gut balance actually matures as we mature, which is, which makes you suspect that that as our diet changes from breast milk to foods, we need different bacteria to help us assimilate those nutrients. Because one of the major roles that these bacteria do in our gut is they help to break down fiber. So these bacteria eat fiber, and fiber obviously is in best sorts of fiber, and that's what we, why we talk about prebiotic food. The best source of fiber is all your vegetables and your fruit and your um, organic rye, rye bread and your chia seeds and your quinoa and brown rice. So we need to eat lots of these fibers to keep that gut population really healthy. Do they also eat chocolate, these, these little They dudes? don't eat chocolate, no. But apparently if you get an imbalance of the wrong type of bacteria in mm. your gut, they may actually increase your craving for chocolate. So the next time you feel like you're really wanting to eat chocolate, it could be your bacteria talking. That was I was going to ask you that. So if we have more, I guess the more we, we do the right thing, is it really that the little dudes that are really, to a certain extent, kind of driving our, our, our cravings a little bit? Well, they're, they're possibly craving for bad things, and I imagine craving for good things. But our gut flora can change quite quickly as well. Like I've read studies in the past where... They had vegetarians and they put them onto a meat eater's diet mm. and their bacterial balance changed really quickly. 
And then they took meat eaters and put them onto a vegetarian diet. And again, the bacterial population changed really quickly. Now, the ramifications of that is that a lot of gastroenterologists, when they talk about how do you prevent or how do you go about preventing getting bowel cancer, they often, one of the things they say you need to eliminate or, or reduce if you're at risk is red meat. Because too much red meat, too much animal protein changes the bacterial balance to a more inflammatory bacterial balance that may increase your risk of bowel problems. And as we hear a lot, inflammation is the gateway to a lot of these other, other yeah, issues potentially. Yeah, so mm. you know, that's where the whole... So the microbiome was, um, has been really well researched this last few years and they've found all these gazillion different strains of bacteria that live in our gut. And um, what they're finding, and this is where it's having greater and greater health ramifications, which we'll get into the next section, is that if your gut bacteria is out of balance, you're more prone towards more inflammatory conditions as well. Now, one of the interesting things with um, some of the tests that I've done in the past to look at, um, you can have tests, you can do a poo test to see what your balance of actual bacteria are. Of course you can. So so it's really fascinating. So you get this report with all this whole list of all the bacteria in your gut. Mm. And then you can look at that and you can see what are the most popular or not maybe not most popular, well, most popular. The most populous. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> what the most populous are. And some of these bacteria are predominantly if you don't eat enough fiber, your these bacteria can swap to digesting protein. Now, the problem with that is you don't want a lot of protein-digesting bacteria because then they might start to... Like we have, through our large bowel particularly, we actually have quite a thick mucus coating that coats our gut wall. Mm -hmm. And now bacteria sit on top of that. Bacteria live in that mucus coating. But if you don't have enough fiber in your diet, and we'll talk about that a bit later, Mm -hmm. how much fiber is enough, then these protein now protein-digesting bacteria will actually start to eat that mucus layer. Okay. And then, you know, it can start to infect your nutrient absorption, inflammation in the gut, all sorts of things. So, yeah, so if you don't feed the bacteria, they might be starting to eat you. Some of the, the ways that I guess the gut bacteria can be put out of balance, you mentioned that, that there are some ways earlier. Um, some of the ways that can disrupt the, the balance of the gut bacteria and that might put us on the wrong road. Well, definitely um, number one is not having enough fiber in your diet, particularly mm. plant matter. So, and and actually, it's kind of interesting. Like, it's been estimated that males need to eat 30 grams of fiber a day and females maybe 35 grams. But one apple has four grams of fiber. Oh, gee, okay. So you you actually do have to make a pretty concerted effort to get enough fiber. It's like, about what, six or eight apples? <laughs> yeah, and which could give you other problems. <laughs> so, um, yeah, so adding fibers in like um, uh, psyllium husk, mm. but the better fibers are things like metamucil, sorry, um, chia seed, you know, ground up chia yeah. seed or ground up flax seed, almonds, nuts and seeds, stuff like that, all your vegetables and fruit and so pick salad. something that's that's kind of random, like like almonds. How I mean, what are we sort of talking out to get your thirty odd grams? Uh, Roughly, that's a good point. I would have no idea on that. Okay, but it would be a fair amount, I'd imagine. Okay. <laughs> so, so I guess the key, like you're not going to, no matter what the, what, no matter what the good thing is, you're not going to get it all in one hit. So, I guess that's why we got, need, you need that diverse diet. So, why yeah, diet absolutely. needs to be at the front of your mind all the time, right? Yep, yep, yep. Always, and just roughly having that plan. You know, if every day you sort of have in your mind you're going to have two pieces of fruit, you're going to have a salad with your lunch and veggies with your dinner. And then, you know, maybe some, some a smoothie or a green drink in the morning. 
that's a great way you can get there pretty easily. But you've got to be pretty committed that five days a week, that's what you'll do. And then weekends, you might have a bit more variability. Yeah, I, I guess uh, that, that, that term coming in that, that's been banded around the last couple of years, meal prep, is, is there. And Peter, you're very much embarrassing my cheese sandwich that's waiting for me at two o'clock today. All right, some other ways quickly. Uh, yep, stress. So stress really upset the whole, can upset the whole pH through the gut. So stress can really um, upset the balance of good and bad bacteria. Poor sleep. You know, poor sleep will upset your bacteria. Oh, They're not happy friend. if you're not yeah. sleeping. Yeah. Um, and then, you know, other like things like the oral contraceptive pill. You know, whenever um, pharmacists hand out an oral contraceptive pill, they should always give the person a bottle of probiotics to take with it because it does upset the gut flora. Um, and then, you know, antibiotics, like we all know that antibiotics don't kill all the bacteria, but they definitely knock good bacteria around. And one of the challenges with our gut flora is that, you know, our gut flora is different now to what it was 100 years ago. And we're losing species, so you want lots of speed, you want lots of diversities and lots of numbers, but we're losing diversity, and no one really knows what the long-term effects of that might be. Mm, that's a bit like you said. If they're, once they're gone, they're gone, right? Um, some of the benefits, though, I mean, of having bacteria in the right place. I guess once we they can combat against illness, ailments, all sorts of other issues. Yeah, look, a lot of people sort of equate probiotics more with gut symptoms, irritable bowel, you know, bloating, wind, bowel variability. Um, etc. But, you know, not only is there gut sort of related symptoms associated if you have the wrong type of bacteria, but there's been links to conditions like autoimmune, um, even um, immune system. You know, one study of probiotics with kids found that the kids that were supplementing with a probiotic, a uh, good quality probiotic, had a lot less colds and flu. So, you know, having good gut flora really helps with your immunity generally. Um, and it, I guess at the moment, where everybody's concerned about every sneeze, every cough, the yes. less of those you can have, you're not running off for a, to get a swizzle stick up the nose for something else. That's right, mm. and that's 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 the probiotics are what I call an essential nutrient, like mm. or a part of your essentials. Like I believe everyone should be taking a probiotic all the time and swap and change to different strains, as well as having those probiotic foods. But we'll talk about that in a minute. Sure. Um, the other area that you know, when I see kids with eczema. You know, explain to the parents it's not so much as a skin problem as it is an immune problem, and the immune system associated is associated with the gut as well. So, certain strains of probiotics have been shown to be really beneficial for kids with allergy, but also with eczema and asthma and what we call atopia as well. I guess we've sort of changed, haven't we, from going, okay, here's what I see. Oh, that's what we've got to treat. But we've got to look at what actually. Well, there's, that's a, that's a symptom in itself. Yeah, absolutely. So eczema's on the skin, but it's not a skin condition per se. It's an immune problem that's coming out on the skin. Um, and then probiotics have been, you know, there's a new new um, range out called psychobiotics. Oh, that psychobiotics. Sound a bit, a bit that intense. sounds all right. That does sound <laughs> intense. Um, and these probiotics may play a role with uh, mood issues such as um, anxiety and depression. There's probiotics that have been associated with helping us to lose weight, and they're the ones that might help with, you know, cravings we were talking about before. And um, a recent study I found that was kind of interesting for athletes, and it was that probiotics may reduce post-exercise muscle inflammation. So for um, high... Um, so athletes that, that do a lot of training, a lot of exercise, do high-intensity events... If they take a probiotic, they have less inflammation and their immune system doesn't crash as much after the event. So 
a lot of new stuff coming through all the time about how beneficial these probiotics are. Peter, I know you're just about ready to get us into where we can get some probiotics. But first, though, uh, we have uh, Ben from Maitland. And Ben, you've got an eczema concern for Peter Mullen today. Yes, thanks, uh, Mark and Peter. Uh, it's odd. It's not so much uh, like a skin blemish or anything like that, but it's just a, a very hot uh, instep or on the right side of the uh, right foot on the top. There's nothing showing, but uh, lie down of a night, get the restless legs and use, as usual, that sort of stuff, but the foot actually burns as if it's uh, on fire and the skin feels as if it's just going to blister on me, but no, it doesn't go red or anything like that sort of thing. So that's an odd one if you can answer that, please. Ben, that is a very odd one. So you're getting a, a patch. Does it actually feel hot to touch on your foot? Yes, definitely. So it feels warm. Does it look red? No, it doesn't look red. So it doesn't look red. It's definitely not eczema, and it's on the insert of your foot. Uh, it's on the right-hand side. It's the flat part, you know, where you do your laces up? Yep, yep, on, on the, the top, top there. Top, top, top right-hand side, yep. And it's warm. And to... it's a, a, a patch around about uh, four inches square, you could say. Yep. It's just that area, nowhere else in the leg or anything. Well, mate, that is very unusual. Like to have have a spot like that isolated where it, there's no red-defined rash or rash or patch, but it's hot. Like hot usually indicates that there's inflammation there. Have you had mm. a, Have you had your foot X-rayed? Uh, not yet. No, I was at the skin clinic this morning. I asked the lady about it, and she said, uh, "Just see your doctor about it. I don't want to delve into anything. Yeah. It looks okay. The skin's good." Yeah, okay. Uh, it, is it, it sore if you press into it? Is it sore? It, it is when it happens, but it's not so much during the day. It's only yeah, when okay. I lie down at night time, put the leg up, and it burns. And what happens What happens if you massage your foot before you get into bed? It uh, doesn't seem to make any difference at all. I've, I've tried ointments and that type of thing on there as well, yes. and nothing seems to work. The uh, skin specialist this morning said uh, I had had a new right knee about four years ago, uh, surely that wouldn't have anything to do with it. It's not the left left foot, it's just the right one. Yeah, look, the only thing, when it's hot like that, like usually there's an, some sort of inflammatory thing going on. Like if it was nerve pain referred from your, your knee operation, I don't think it would be hot. I, mm-hmm. I would, um, I'd go and see the GP and get an X-ray done first and make sure there's no arthritis or bone stuff going on. But um, then I would be inclined maybe to see an osteopath um, I'd get onto some magnesium for your restless legs, for starters. I certainly do have lots of that, but I still get them. I have Cifrol uh, uh, of a night as well, oh, and okay. also now I'm having Paxem as well, so yeah, I'm okay. doubling the dose okay. up All right, with so it's uh, not bananas, just a, <laughs> lots of... Yeah, so it's not just a magnesium deficiency. Like you might... The other thing that may be worthwhile trying is a compound called PEA. Right, okay, yeah. Our, our version of a, a nerve nerve pain or nerve inflammation... Um, supplement, but um, I, I'd probably, re- if you're taking stronger medication for restless legs, I'd probably recommend you actually see a naturopath and get someone else to have a bit of a deeper delve into things as well. All right, thank you very much, and good luck with all of that, Ben. All right, uh, Peter, uh, that was un- that was unusual, like mm-hmm. what was going on with Ben, because it, you know nothing obvious to touch or see or. Yeah. Yeah, that's when it can be a bit a bit, bit scary too. All right, uh, back very quickly before I let you go. Probiotics today, uh, we, we've pretty much looked at them from all angles. Uh, if we feel that we're not getting enough, we just want to put more into our lives and into the little dudes that are inside our gut there. Some of the best spots to go. Uh, well, look, I, I'm always a fan, as I said, of taking a probiotic. Um, I think kids should be on probiotics. 
and then maybe rotate them with things like probiotics in their food. So probiotics first. Um, in Australia, they're all TGA approved. And what that means or should mean is that the, the probiotics in the bottle at the time of labelling should still be there by their expiry date. So quality does make a difference. Um, and make sure you you know get them from a company that like you know a practitioner only product. I always think is the best way to go. Mm-hmm. Um, so get a good quality probiotic. And if you've got it, if you're taking it for a specific health reason, then I'd see someone about getting some advice about what's the best actual strain. Because what I would recommend for eczema isn't what I'd necessarily recommend for immune system is different to what I might recommend for someone with autoimmune conditions. Could some of this also come into like the, the test that you were talking about before you realise which ones that you, uh, you've you got a lot more of? So maybe, hang on, we've got a lot for here, so we need you to look can at something be, else. You can be very specific with yeah. them. And even, you know, weight loss, there's a strain of probiotics we use to help people from a weight loss point of view. So, and yeah, what's that one a- called, Peter? Metacontrol. I'll just write that one down. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, so there's different different ones for different reasons. So, you know, not one size fits all. And then there's ones that we'd recommend if someone's had antibiotics as well. So, yeah, getting them properly recommended or prescribed is the way to go. And then, of course, you've got all your um, probiotic-containing foods, uh, kombucha, good quality yogurt, particularly if you make it yourself, um, kefir, um, sauerkraut is a great source of probiotics, particularly um, you know, if you're using an organic cabbage, you're actually using wild crafted probiotics or bacteria. So, yeah, a combination of you need we need the fiber, which is the prebiotics. We need the probiotic containing foods to really top up and give us that wide diversity. Mm-hmm. And then we need the specific probiotics to really target what we're trying to do as well. So, But um, I'm a big fan of probiotics. I think everyone should be taking them. All right, a lot to think about there. As always, Peter Muller, thank you so much. You'll be back next Tuesday around about the same time for us. Uh, yep, back next Tuesday. Thanks, Mark. With another Health and Wellbeing right here at 2NURFM. Thanks for listening to this podcast from 2NURFM at the University of Newcastle. Topics range from gardening to health, well-being, pet care, finance, business and travel. You'll find them all at 2NURFM.com.